Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Daniel Colborn. And today's episode is brought to you by... Who's our uh, sponsor? I've got this empty Coca-Cola can on my desk, which uh, I'm happy to let you know is the only Coca-Cola can on my desk. I have gotten rid of all of my other coronavirus era desk cans. There were many. Yesterday, I did a mass purge and recycled all of them. I think I got rid of a full case of LaCroix. Hmm. So this episode is brought to you by Coke. my single empty Coca-Cola can. Nice. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, D. Cole, what's happening? Uh, we're recording late. True. Um, we're recording late because a series of unfortunate events but largely because i forgot that we were recording at a different time because i was very busy and had a lot going on bad man i'm a bad man very I'll, bad i'll own that i'll own that bad man that should be my new twitter name yep um but yeah and uh our normal so since time immemorial this show has been recorded on fridays at noon yeah and that's just a pretty bad time for me now mm-hmm. with my new job. With your 100% just, time job. With my 100% time job. That's a really good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, Zero percent time. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you, do, you start working and then, uh, you know, I get on, we do a stand up and then it's time to record no plans to merge but like if anyone needs anything from me that comes up on the stand up then it it's like oh well, i need to jump into that thing with them right now you know yep and so there's always something right after that's like yeah. oh yeah could you just hop into this thing with me could we pair on this real quick blah 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 and uh so inevitably at like 11:45 I'm knee deep into something that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, long story short, we haven't figured out like a good time to record yet. And I think that this time that we picked today is actually a great time to record. Uh, It just needs to be a recurring calendar notification for me. Yeah. What do do you think? You think this is a recurring time that would work for you? Recurring? Yeah. The 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Friday, 3 p.m. I'm going to I'm going to add it to my calendar. Add it. First, I'm going to tell my Train your dog to bark at 3 p.m. on Fridays as well. Remind me to add a recurring thing to my calendar at 3 p.m. on Fridays in a second. I have no idea if that's going to work. Wow. But it will at least cause a notification. Wonderful. Um, All right. That's pretty great. I don't think I've ever set a reminder on my phone. Have you ever set a reminder to make a calendar event on your phone? Oh, that's <laughs> what you that's did? What I just did. <laughs> right, okay. That's funny. But I just it just kind of occurred to me. I was like, whoa, that would be pretty useful if you could just tell your phone and remind you to do things, and it would. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wild? That's, I mean, it, I know it doesn't look from the outside like I'm actually getting anything done in life, um, but the few things that I do manage to accomplish in my life are almost exclusively because I tell my phone to remind me things. Interesting. Fancy pants. Fancy pants. D, 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 Cole. Yeah. So I'm rewriting Alpine. (laughs) I started a rewrite. Ooh, a spicy first topic. Yeah. (laughs) What's up? I don't know if anything's going to come of it. It might never get used. Uh, You know what? Cut the crap. 
It's going to get used. Absolutely is going to get used. It's going to be the next version of Alpine. I don't want to like say too much. I almost like tweeted today, like think I'm going to rewrite Alpine or something, but there really are a bunch of people who are like really active in the core and be like, wait, what, what the heck? Like we're working on the normal stuff. Like let us in, you know, I don't know. It feels a little mm-hmm. weird when there's a bunch of other people yeah. who work on it well, too. Good thing. Good thing. None of the people who work on Alpine listen to your podcast. I know. Right. It's a safe haven. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm like, well, can I, ha- can I do my own thing too? Like, yeah, I know I do. That's how I work. It's like I need to kind of not have everybody watching me for a while on something. But yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, because I wrote, I recorded this uh, Laracast series called Building Alpine. Mm-hmm. Did you catch anything about that? Uh-uh. How so was it? Uh, Jeffrey asked me, um, and I was pumped because I've thought before, I was like, you know, I could probably build a really stripped down version of Alpine. Originally, years ago at Titan, I wanted to do a... Uh, I wanted to do a conference talk or at least a blog post on rewriting Vue.js from scratch. Yeah. Because I felt like I could do it. Like, I, I don't think it would be that hard. Um, now I'm not as sure about my ability to be able to rewrite Vue.js given some of its core. But anyway, uh, but but I could write a basic front-end framework that uses a virtual DOM and has basic reactivity and stuff like yep. that. Um so anyway, Jeffrey was like, and I think I think it'd be pretty interesting if you did a series where you build a stripped down version of Alpine. I was like, oh my gosh, I would love that. So I and I've already kind of planned on it loosely, but I got to work and uh, and did it. And this was the first series that I recorded in one chunk. Like uh-huh. I, I and let me guess, you instantly discovered that you didn't like how you wrote Alpine. <laughs> yeah. So well, actually, so no. So the first, no, right away, I just wrote it basically the way Alpine is written. And I had finished. So this is the thing. I sat down. Before I do any screencast, I, I do it all first, you know, alone, just to see how the code works, refactor, get it to where I want it to be. And I did it in like 15 minutes. <laughs> I had like a working version of Alpine in wow. 50 minutes and 50 lines of code. <laughs> Granted, wow. it only supported X text and X show. That's it. Sure. You know, very stripped down. But sure. still, I was like, oh, my God. I was reacquainted with with the beauty of Alpine, you know, like how slim it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I put out the the series. People are really liking it. It's the really he's releasing like two episodes a week or something. Um, and it really is. I like it's one of my favorite things I've ever recorded. I love it because it's yeah. f- fun and deep and experimental and like cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the other day. I had come across, oh, whatever. We don't have to get into it. But okay. I I had come across something and was like, maybe I need to rewrite how a certain part of Alpine works. And I thought, wait a minute. I have a stripped down version of Alpine that I could test this in, you know, like without having to deal like with it. all the bloat. So I was like, yeah. interesting. So I just pulled up the Laracast project I had and used it as a sandbox because it's only like 50 lines and swapped out a core piece of it and had this moment of like, whoa, it was just a realization. The way reactivity works in Alpine right now, I could move it to this new way and it would be so efficient, like insane. Basically the the gist is that when any data changes right now in Alpine, it's kind of like a whole refresh of that part of the component, you know? Sure. Um, This way it's kind of, I think it's kind of like react in that way. Uh, React is way more optimized, but like, uh, you know, view, you know what? I don't even know. I don't really, really know. But basically, I have to deal with so few bugs because every time a piece of data changes, your Alpine component rewalks the DOM 
that it's concerned with and re-updates sure. everything. So it's you almost never run into any drift issues or any any like things not being reactive. My first write was like selectively reactive, you know, that only the pieces concerned with the data updated, but it's hard to do that. Anyway, I found a new library that allows you to do this insanely easily that the new view version is based on, the new view reactivity core. They keep, uh, what's his name? Avenue called it like, it's like a piece of art, like this package is like a piece of JavaScript art or whatever, poet, poem or something, I don't know. But I pulled it in and basically now when you update any piece of data from anywhere, only what's concerned with it is updated. You know, just the pieces that care about it. And it's like rock mm. solid, like airtight, you know? Mm. So it means you could have an Alpine component that's got a million rows in a table. And when you update one of the rows, only that row is going to update, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then this sent me on this whole journey of like, how does Alpine compare to Vue and React? So I started doing some profiling today in the dev tools. I got like everything spun up on my computer. I'm testing between Vue and Alpine. How long, how long initial load takes, how long updating one piece takes, digging through Vue's code, digging through Alpine's code, figuring out what are the ways. And then I'm watching all these like Google Chrome, like Dev Summit talks and React, uh, Dan Abramov talks on like suspense and time slicing and all this stuff. And the schedule, I'm like looking for people who can explain to me how React schedule works, scheduler works right. and everything. And it's hard to find that very, very difficult. Um, yeah. Even though people could, like Dan could make a, a talk that explains the scheduler perfectly. And he could probably write his own little stripped down version of the React scheduler. But the audience for it is like you. But the audience for it is people <laughs> who write JavaScript frameworks. That's the <laughs> suckiest part about doing this is like you're on your own. Sort yeah. mostly, you know, it's the wilderness, but that, all right, Caleb, uh, but also it's not, not like, I feel like if you weren't on your own and in the wilderness on this, you wouldn't like, it, it. wouldn't be that anyway. fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah like you only want. enjoy it because there's no established rules. So you get to do whatever you want. It's one of, yeah, the things I most enjoy about it is yeah. basically coming across problems and being like, how can I use my brain to solve them rather than yeah. like, how can I abide by the proper patterns and principles and right, exactly. whatever, which is yeah, super fun. But I, I have this pie in the sky dream that I'm toying with. It might not happen, but I want, I want Alpine to be faster than Vue and react and angular. And I want to have benchmarks and I want to show yeah. people like you should want that. Yeah. That's the right thing to want. Even though like I'm the guy who's like, stop talking about performance metrics. Like the real problem there's a hundred other more practical developer problems and considerations when choosing a front end framework than its performance. Like that's like mm. the last thing in any app I've ever worked on. Mm. I almost never hit, you know, the only area you'd hit something like that is if you were working for GitHub and you had to do the diff editor, mm. you know, like GitLab uses Vue and they did this whole conference talk at ViewConf about the diff editor and how they ran across all these Vue bottlenecks, you know, but that's wild. But that's the only time, right? Like, it's basically an intangible. Like, Alpine uh, is plenty fast. For I've never seen... Actually, we had one performance bottleneck that we fixed early on. But, like, for everything that I've seen anybody use it for, it's like, you can't decipher the speed difference. But tell me. Well, I'm just thinking, like, I don't know about Alpine, but I'm thinking of plenty of times where I've run into performance issues in React. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, hit me. Like... They definitely exist. It's just like, it's a lot of things where like, uh, especially if you have like 
event-based things, right? Like you, you just race conditions with clicks and stuff like that. Mm, okay. Where like uh, something doesn't happen in time for something else to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's not like real performance issues, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not like, oh, it's not fast enough for the user. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of things that aren't, that you have to write your code differently because something's not fast enough for a computer. You know, like, I, I do think there are performance considerations in some places. Like, yeah. like for example, um, there are places, right? So, like, there are places where you can get away with things that are technically asynchronous or, like, technically should be written asynchronously yeah. because there's, like, thing happens here another thing happens here we don't want this one to happen until this other one has happened Mm -hmm. there's places where like we we know that you have to do that right like uh if there's an http request involved it's like oh well that's an unknown amount of time and so let's treat that asynchronously right okay yeah yeah um but there's lots of things like when you get deep into the guts of a react app right Mm -hmm. and you're like you're really in there um there's occasionally things where it's like things you didn't realize could take time Mm -hmm. and therefore you didn't think you had to wrap in a promise or in an async async uh what's the other one well async await would async await block right i don't know something you don't actually know no so if you have an async function right uh you then can await the results of that function. Right. I guess my question is like, while it's awaiting the results, it's probably not blocking the main thread. No, it's not. Right. Okay. That's the whole deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, there's lots of things that like you discover underground in React mm. land where it's like, so the performance doesn't matter from like a user perspective, right? Like it's not like, oh, the page paints too slowly for the user. Right, mm-hmm. like the page paints at a t- at an appropriate speed for the user. Okay. The problem is that I've got more code de- depending on that happening. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and like th- it paints too slowly for There's that. There's no code. like next tick that just ensures. Well, no, and that's what I have to end up doing. Right, it's yeah. like like waiting for paints or waiting. You know, but it's not just yeah. paints. It's like it's even like property update. Like sometimes it's like the amount of time that it takes for a property to update something else. Yeah is an issue you know yeah so it's stuff like that where it's like i could see um i don't know maybe i'm just a bad program programmer and should think should and should like by default assume that every operation takes a significant amount of time you know yeah but like i like I liked the world before I had to think of everything that way. Yeah. You know, and had to worry about the performance of little minute under the covers interaction. Yeah, it's tough. It's one of those things that I think I always felt that way. And then the more you see, you know, the more you're yeah, yeah, like yeah. kind of conditioned. And I, you know, where now I, I think I've seen too much um, in a lot of ways and would rather do a lot of things myself. Or now I know like little small differences between you know like i mean this is a common one like using query selector um like get element by Mm -hmm. id is like unbelievably fast compared to everything else Mm -hmm. and then it goes down from there and then query selector super slow and query selector all is like ridiculously slow so if you Mm -hmm. really care about performance and something really sensitive like in a loop 
you should query selector first to see if a thing exists and then query selector all and it's still way faster than just a just a query selector all wow anyway there's like a hundred of those little things it's like this one dom manipulation or this one thing is really slow so do this um wild yeah i don't know but the thing that i'm sort of dealing with that here's one way that um alpine beats vue.js if you have a button click in view so let's say that you have a thousand divs that all have v text on like account you know so a thousand divs all show a piece of data called account that's like set to one so you have a thousand number ones on the page mm-hmm. and you hit a plus button that increments it mm-hmm. view there's no it's all blocking so while, while when you click that plus button it's like frozen like that plus is frozen until it's updated everything so like uh you know if it's a focus state it's like just stuck you know where i i don't know if this is what i want to do but i could in the event listener in alpine when i register an event listener i could just in the handler i could do a set timeout of zero which is basically like a next tick hack in javascript yeah Uh um like request animation frame type thing Mm -hmm. whatever i could just like use it to break the flow so that the event does a full cycle so you wouldn't get any weirdness in the browser you know it would just look like a perfect click and then all the dom updates would be like running right after you mm-hmm. you know so i don't know i'm just figuring out like what i want to do what's the best thing to do i don't know a lot of considerations how are you gonna know when you're done with this project yeah so i i've been um adding a like a feature i basically i, I as much as i love just getting caught in the weeds and performance stuff i am trying to keep on like adding new features by so this is interesting by starting with the hardest first so start with the simplest implementation of alpine you possibly can that's what i did right and now bite off the hardest thing you can to see if your core will hold up basically yeah yeah, yeah, so the hardest things in alpine are the x4 directive is one of the hardest and the um x4 is one of the hardest and the other thing is the transitions is very very deep so I haven't bitten that one off, but I'm going to. That'll be the big test is like, does my transition system hold up with this new system? I don't know, man. There's so many, so many questions. Everything's a trade-off. It's like, what's the best thing to do? I got a question for you. Yeah. You're familiar with Alpine, yes? Yeah. Okay. If you have an Alpine component with like foo or a counter component, right? Mm-hmm. The top level. Uh, this is like a, the div right below body. And then you have a bunch of divs later, nested divs later, you have another little component called like drop down or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you expect to By be... By later, you mean deeper. Yeah, deeper right. inside of... Uh-huh. So you have a nested component. Would you expect to be able to access the count inside of your drop down component? Like, would you, would you expect that, that the scope of the parent component is just magically available to you and any scope your child component has just overwrites it if it's like the same name, you know? I think so, yeah. That's what you would expect? I think so. Because there's no props. Like, I guess I could add a prop to people. Like, right now, Alpine, every component is an island, even if you nest them. How much better does the performance get if you extract it to props? So... And basically that way... Ooh, no, that's so ugly, though. You don't want to do that. No, I, I don't think I want to add props to Alpine. Yeah because yeah well then i think that your only other option at that point is that you have to have access to the parent scope right there is like a need right now people are like i want to be able to access the parent scope 
right yeah, now there's to, no yeah. there is ways but nobody else should do them um but like i've thought about just adding money sign parent so that you could access the parent scope but i it's just gonna get abused mm-hmm. um but another how do you how do you see it getting abused oh uh, i just feel like it's gonna be like dot parent dot parent dot parent dot parent dot count or something and then you use that in a reusable blade component that doesn't have right. that parent somewhere else and screwed i don't know i just don't like it because it's so rigid well, here you could fix that right you could just not include the parent scope when you're passing the parent scope you could not include the parent scope when you're passing the parent scope. What? Right. So say like, yeah, sorry. You could not include the grandparent scope in the parent scope. Oh, like it's just. So you could just not expose parent.parent. Oh, right. Yeah. For that. Yeah. But I yeah. think people would want still like would want to be able to access a grandparent. Maybe they'd do like parent. No. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's pretty wild. But um. So this is the way that Adam thought on, on his full stack radio. He thought it worked this way. Or maybe he thought it should work this way. But other people in, mm-hmm. in GitHub have said the same thing. Surprising because it never even occurred to me. It's weird. It's one of those things that never even felt like intuitive or that I should do it. But most people I talk to think that's the way it should work. What do you think? Well, you can still pass data in right no no you can't yeah so there is a need for it then basically get to that data right the three options are yeah that i mean that's definitely a problem yeah um the three options are the only time i've run into it honestly because most of my alpine components are self-contained the only time i've run into it is when i have maybe like a drop when i've had two things in very different parts of the html that i need to interact like and they can fire events, but sometimes that gets a little weird. Basically, I want to store. You know, that's so. One of the options to one of the solutions to this problem is some syntax for creating global stores with Alpine. Even if you create your own store objects, but just to be able to have multiple components rely on the same data and be reactive. Yeah, I don't know, hmm. but I oh, wrote it. Ooh, so ooh, view ooh. Fu- future view basically does that. That the scopes are all mixed mm. you know future view future alpine future alpine <laughs> but yeah like the one i have so i wrote it i finished it yesterday so the scopes are all what they're all nested scopes like it's just like scoping is in javascript functions you know it's like you can access the outer scope the inner scope takes precedence mm-hmm. you know which i think yeah. is pretty cool i think that's good enough for most things and it works it's pretty weird it's actually really weird. I have to, th- I don't know, but it basically like, that was a fun one. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just fun to build. Like, yeah, no, that's yeah, very fun. That's cute for sure. Like, that's like a, that's one of those implementations where you're like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Like there's a lot of ways to skin that cat that feel more technical in like the bad way, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that like, in all the things that you don't like about React, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're like, man, I really don't want to use like the this.props namespace on everything to access things, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So there, but you get why it's there because technically it's like more accurate. There's less edge cases where it's going to be a problem yeah. because you're implementing this, this thing, right? Yeah. So it's like, I can see that there could be edge cases where this doesn't work, but it's like, 
those edge cases, it's literally just a question of changing the name or something. Yeah, you know? right. Like and naming like, conflicts. You, you're get saying. over it. You yeah. know, just change your names. Yeah, naming conflicts would be the big one. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. I think that's cool though. I can't believe. Yeah, I kind of assumed that you could access Parent Scope this whole time. No, it actually wouldn't be hard to do. Like, I could make a magic accessor that literally gets like the root element of the component and does a dot closest in javascript to find the closest parent with x data and then yeah. get the data from that and return it like i could add you money assume dot closest like, is pretty expensive though right? right all that stuff would be expensive yeah i i yeah. i feel i would love to know because i feel i feel that way i feel like closest is one of the most expensive operations you can do yeah because it's got to walk a tree it's got to go up and like and <laughs> instead also, of down and also like check a query against that string right against the yes tree. Yeah, yeah for sure like so it is like, at least as expensive as query selector you know yeah but yeah closest is actually well no it, it could be the same expense level at the same depth mm-hmm. like yeah, if right, you had right. but i think on a if you had a larger page where there was a bunch more dom below the nesting level that you're yeah, at interesting it would be more efficient because when you're walking up a tree it's easy to walk up it's so like just go yeah. node 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 where down is like node sibling children sibling you know yeah and each of those contains like loops and stuff that mm-hmm. like each of those are based on loops or lookups somewhere somewhere I don't know how they traverse yeah. a tree somewhere deep in, 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 in somewhere in deep Chrome, in the, know, Chrome in the V8 a tree. engine yeah yeah um, uh. yeah that's interesting uh, what was I gonna say on that note closest tree walking parents children. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had something. I got some crazy JavaScript stuff to talk to you about. Let me make sure this isn't any good. <laughs> Dom walking, alpine things. Darn it. You were on performance before some that. Performance, data, stuff. Props. We talked about closest. Props. It was something with closest. Namespace. Oh, closest oh. is the biggest. Closest has. Co- oh, that was how you could implement it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying dot closest, which to the listener who may not be familiar, you take any DOM element dot closest, like you would dot query selector and then pass in a CSL selector for anything beneath it. You do dot closest, pass in the CSS selector, and it'll select anything above it, like in its parent. Okay. Dot closest is responsible for more errors in Livewire and maybe alpine than anything else by far by like really? uh, by 90%. Yeah. Really? Why? Because when you have disconnected nodes, why closest no good? Closest no good because if your node is ever disconnected, query selector always works because your node can always look down on itself. Mm-hmm. But if your node for whatever reason is oh, disconnected node, from stop the stop looking do- down on yourself. Yeah. Fuck up, node. Why dom I'm so sad. <laughs> so a node when you try to look up the tree, but it's disconnected, then you get a failure mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. When does it get disconnected? Tons of times. If you're transitioning something out, let's say, let's say oh, that you have right, a, right. an element removal, but you want to do it after a transition finishes. You have to make sure that's all timed properly so that, you know, that the node hasn't been removed from the DOM. Cause like the node still exists in memory. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, ex- that's exactly. What? This, this is the exact types of things that I'm talking about. Things where it's just like you don't even realize you need to like asynchronously wait around for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything gets crazy do. when basically yeah. every operation that's asynchronous, you end up dealing with this problem. It's the 
oh, so many issues. The, the biggest issue in Liveware, like it, there's there's a there's a place in Liveware's core where I have. I realized that like 90% of the GitHub issues were related to this error. Super hard to, to track down why, but I put yeah. like a massive message there that links to a docs page. Like it's very loud. It's like, this is the most popular error you hit. Welcome to the club. Here's the page on how to probably fix it and do better. Uh, mm-hmm. If not submit a bug report, please. Like Matt, me and Matt actually, Matt Stauffer, but good guy. He, <laughs> Good guy, Good guy, Matt Stelford. He ran into an issue pairing with someone in Livewire, and he pung me, and <laughs> he pong I, ponged me to see if I was around to help him debug it. And I did. We hopped on a call, and he hung out with me debugging this thing for like hours. It was literally hours, because it's the hardest problems in Livewire. Like we literally sat there in MorphDOM and walked through a DOM in like a Chrome debugger, like just DOM walk. It was insane. It was totally insane. It was one of the most mind-boggling problems. Yeah, that sounds like like caffeine psychosis. Oh, man, but he stuck around. We didn't finish it then. I still had to put in, like, hours of mind-bending labor. But anyway, yes, and it was all related to that. That was the error he was getting. Mm. But we solved it. I would love to go in all these things, but nobody cares <laughs> but me. So what do you got, D. Cole? So really interesting thing that I thought was stupid and now don't think is stupid about my new job okay um this is so this is my life right now is that i am exposed to a new team who does things a little different you know i'm not i'm not in the titan bubble anymore so there's like there's code style differences there's uh process differences there's all this stuff and i am constantly in my head going this is stupid uh, and mm-hmm. then going, wait, maybe it's not stupid. Maybe I just don't know enough. I should be patient before passing judgment on this mm, thing. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, like, most of the time, it's not that stupid. Here's the thing I thought was stupid. Um, there are script tags with JavaScript in them mm-hmm. in this app. In those script tags, you can write ES6 yeah. safely. Okay. And this website supports browsers that don't support ES6. Oh, um, did they? Did I? They did built I, a whole thing. Did I incur this problem? Was this did because you, of me? Did you say this? I, I did. I think I did a write-up or something, or maybe even made a package on how to do this. Oh, really? Yeah, they use well, Babel's runtime build thing. No, no, oh, no, oh, no. What do no. they do? Tell they, me what they don't do. use Babel's runtime build thing. That's what I thought right, we they were talked doing. About That's why I thought. Me and you. We were going right. to talk about. I, I knew you could do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell me. So, so, and I was like, this is terrible. Don't do this. Why are you doing this? Well, what can you explain the effects? Or keep going. Yeah. What they do, my good friend Caleb, is they have a custom blade compiler. Yep. That when the views are cached. Right. Um, Dude, we talked about this. Did we? We did. We invented the custom blade compiler that compiles with Babel. But how do they do the Babel compilation? Chris, we invented this. Why didn't you tell me I invented this? <laughs> how do they do the Babel compilation? Um, so, uh, sorry, how do they do what Wait, part during, of the During the blade compile step, how do they? Uh, so there's a whole thing in there, but basically they use the PHP symbol thing. Okay. Um. And so basically they go from symbol to symbol. And if it's PHP code, right. do they leave it? Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, they eventually, or no, sorry, if it's PHP code, 
which is what blade stuff is, right? Like when they hit blade, yeah. Like if they hit a blade template like inside of the JavaScript, okay. Um, then they oh, so this is why it exists, right? Because oh, they wanted to be interesting. They wanted to be able to put code from blade into Whoa. script tags in blade. Whoa. And so what it does is if it finds a blade template tag inside the javascript so I, it just grabs the javascript and runs it through a compiler i don't know it checks for script tags or something whereas i don't actually know how that part works right that that's the part that you and i i swear we like talked a bunch about well maybe we create a standalone like build of the Babel runtime thing and then call it on the command line with like exact and php your compile time would be a lot slower but remember and we were yeah i don't remember a, i don't i don't know if i you. ever I actually know. I don't know if I ever actually learned how that exact part of it works. Okay, but anyway. Because the part I've been working on is the much more interesting part. Right, this is what I'm curious about is how they can... Which is inside of the JavaScript, there are blade template tags inserting data into script tags inside of blade templates. And it's wild. So they use the like PHP like token parsing stuff. And they basically like analyze everything and they're like, is this PHP code? Is this PHP code? And yep. when it hits a blade thing, it's like, oh, this is PHP code. And so there's this cool little class. Why does which, it hit blade and know that? Because blade has already it, compiled. They a get different, a post blade. Yeah. So blade compiles to like a PHP echo tag. Right. So they do it after blade does its they do compilation. It after blade step. does that. Okay. So gotcha. blade compiles it down to a PHP echo tag. Yep. So then and the then tokenizer can like, you can. Can recognize that, it as yeah. PHP. Yep. Um, and then what they do is. So uh, PHP is not valid JavaScript. I don't know if you knew that. Um, Sometimes and it so is. If you True just leave... and false in PHP work. In, uh... Sure. But uh, open, like, open, open angle string brace, question works. mark, PHP. No, but like a PHP template know, tag isn't valid JavaScript. Yeah. Josh in your jangle. Anyway, um, long story short, if you just stick a bunch of PHP into JavaScript and then try and run the Babel compiler on it, it will break with the Babel compiler yep. because it's not valid JavaScript. Right. So then what he does is he has, he uh, takes each token and sequentially replaces them with uh, like PHP token underscore zero, PHP token underscore one, PHP token underscore two. Oh, to um, do a, like a swap and a replacement and then and reg He swaps them out okay. and then he babbles... And then he and swaps Babel them never back complains in. about that. No, because it's valid JavaScript. He because he he makes off like a function, May, right? Like which is a maybe valid, it's valid JavaScript. JavaScript. Like he could put a blade. Like let's say he has. Um, let's consider this, my friend. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have this is your JavaScript statement in your script tag. Right. You have console dot log. Mm-hmm. Open parentheses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have at or like break out into php and mm-hmm. echo hello world and string close parentheses right so that php generates a part of the javascript syntax so his token replace thing would be invalid syntax uh no it wouldn't we wouldn't because what you would end up with is uh console.log open parentheses yep token underscore one or something uh php token one right uh open parentheses close parentheses no oh because it's a function okay because it's a function right okay and then just close parentheses but where's the close parentheses coming from 
I'm, oh, because you're saying the closed parenthesis is being generated yeah. by PHP. So it makes your PHP rigid. Like that that solution to me reeks of like endless bugs. Like that's an endless bug hole. It's there's I mean, I just wrote snapshot tests. Yeah. So he used to um he used to have this like from blade method in mm-hmm. JavaScript. Okay. That he would basically wrap blade template tags in. Yep. Inside of his script tags. Okay. To like solve this problem in a more explicit way. Interesting, yeah. And he wanted to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, and so he wrote this, he rewrote the whole thing to remove that where it basically does it itself and it do, you don't need to specify it. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote a bunch of snapshot tests for all of the blade files that have, that had the from blade method in them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just like did it like a global search, found all of the files that had from blade in it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a snapshot test for those views. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I then pulled in his rewrite mm-hmm. and ran all the snapshot tests. Everything passes. There's like 55 plus views mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, and this is like a big production app. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's a lot of it's like ugly code, yeah, interesting. you know? Yeah. I mean, we it don't have any ever. real world problems nice. with it. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I could see that, right? If you were... If you were generating half of of a like, statement, yeah. Well, like half of a any bracket pair. Yep. If you intermingle, right? yeah. Yes. Like if your opening quote is generated in one language and your closing quote is generated in another language yep. or something of that nature. Right. That is a problem. It's the kind of thing that so I, I mean I I think I mean I need to test it and I'll report back. I'm sure there's a bunch that's it's at least it would at least fail with if you're mixing in open and closing in different languages. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm not saying it's bad. Like I'm not shaming He's the solution. going to hear this and take it as a challenge right. for I'm sure. I'm not shaming it and saying that it's explicitly bad, but I am saying that this is under the category of solution that I generally disqualify unless the yield is strong enough. And maybe it is. And unless the yield is strong enough because it's going to be a bear because you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where like, Sometimes, sometimes I'll be like, well, it's valuable enough. I'll absorb the complexity. Like the, the guy who wrote Babel is probably like, you know, oh, I should do this thing. And his buddy's like, dude, that's a dark hole, man. You're, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean? Anyway, I want it. Yeah. But yeah. maybe it's surprisingly effective. Maybe in the real world, you almost never, ever do that. And maybe you would get the, you would get the error at runtime when you're compiling and maybe the error is nice and it's easy to spot and fix, you know, you would actually, yeah, you would get the error at compile time. Right. Yep. So then you would know um, before and, you and we anything. we pre-compile our views too. Um, right, like all of yeah, our yeah. views are compiled mm-hmm. on deploy, so like we would get the error in Envoy or deploy, and the deploy wouldn't finish. Yep, got it. So it's not like you would ever make it to production. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty but interesting. Yeah. That I mean, that's pretty it, sleek. That it was like I mean, but here's the thing, right? It's also one of those things where when he asked me to go in and make sure that his change didn't break anything, my first question was why don't we just pull all this JavaScript out into files mm-hmm. instead of having it in line and then we can just run it through Babel the old-fashioned way right. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was like before I understood that like this JavaScript has PHP in it mm-hmm. or, you know, has Blade in it. And it's really, it's really interesting, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I'm not totally committed to the idea that it's... Uh, well, I'm not recommending it necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not right. necessarily saying like everyone should be doing this. Yeah. But like in the position I'm in, which is like, 
here's an existing system which like is already in production go make it better yeah like refactor it and then like test that the refactor works yeah like it's pretty cool under the hood how it actually achieves the things it achieves yeah yeah no it definitely is that i mean the, the pipe dream for me started with i mean it came from the same exact place and then i i found out you could use Babel at runtime in the browser and so i did that and i posted some like you know that would be a, a more pure solution you know it's way slower yeah, and bad but, then it, yeah, but you would never run into any weirdness um but yeah it's like 300 kilobytes <laughs> of javascript to run it in the front end it's just a kind of a deal breaker and so then it was like well how do you do in the back end and whatever anyway um yeah it is pretty interesting that, that whole build thing I, what do you think about this well first can we just stop supporting internet explorer across the board uh well, bootstrap just did bootstrap did did they really they stopped supporting ie 11 yes I so this badly want tweet. the new Alpine to not support IE, but there's a I'm lot of Bootstrap people who doesn't would support like, it and be angry. people who are using Alpine are cooler than people who are using oh Bootstrap. Gosh, so we need to get off of IE 11 so badly. It hurts so bad. I have code all over Alpine. That's an if IE 11 thing that at build time strips out or in. I literally swapped out. I swap out the entire reactivity core because I couldn't get a better one to work with Internet Explorer. So literally, like, you have two different reactivity cores if you're using Alpine IE 11 build. Oh, I want to kill it so bad. What What is your gut? Would you say just kill it? Next version? Yeah, kill it. Just be like, kill it. Alpine 3 does not support... Uh, yeah, Internet Explorer. I think Vue yeah. 3 is going to support Internet Explorer. I mean, all the JavaScript frameworks, I'm sure the big boys have to support it. Yeah. I mean, oh, the, the, the big, big boys do, right? So that being said... What if React just dropped it? That would be great. I would love it if a big boy did that. Decole, why are we using builds for, for, for this problem? Why does your company need a build? Do you need to support IE11? Uh, no, it's literally so that you can like use... ES6 syntax and not have to like switch your brain back and forth between syntaxes in different contexts. Uh, right? Yeah. Like you're writing ES6 syntax in your JavaScript files, but then you can't you now it's like oh now I in my head need to remember basically two different languages. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't yeah, I get it. I I'm always torn between that. It's like use the build so you can stay evergreen in your in your development in the development end. And another part mm-hmm. of me is like just decide what browsers you're going to support and don't use things that other browsers don't support and if they do add polyfills or if you need to do it you know add your own little polyfill here and there because you're not going to get a better experience than you will yeah, without I don't, I don't a build. think it's a i don't think it's a question of um that well i mean it kind of is a question of that it's just that like we want to use es6 syntax right and like there are there's plenty of things that aren't supported. So even like in go- even in good browsers. Right, right, right. But there's lots of things. It's like arrow functions. You could use arrow functions now if you're not supporting IE11. You yeah. could confidently use arrow functions, which is awesome. Well, we are definitely supporting IE11, by the way. You are <laughs> like, supporting IE11. Yeah, I mean, our clients, our customers are like home inspectors, you know? How many like 50-year-old home inspector dudes do you think are running the latest Chrome? Um, I think 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's like so a lot sad. Of, You're right. I mean, there are a lot of people was, who still use Internet Explorer. So sad. Oh, yeah, man. it's like we have 25 people who are mostly like old white men. It makes me so sad and angry at the same yeah. time that Internet Explorer is ruining the world somehow. Yeah, it's, it's so an bitter evergreen problem. And angry it's it's literally it. been a problem for 20 years. Oh my gosh. Can we please get over this? Wow. I think we just, people need to start taking hard stances. Just be like, no more. No more. Download Chrome. Any Internet Explorer device can download Chrome. Yeah. Yeah, man. So bad. Yep. I now have a Lambda <sighs> test thing so that I can, I have to freaking test every Alpine version on Internet Explorer. I have to ngrok Valley Share, go into Lambda tests, boot up Internet Explorer on Windows old, and run like this big page of a bunch of test stuff so tell me about this page of test stuff what does it do it's just basically every time i like add something or fix a bug most of the time i add a little component to this examples page it's a giant table of alpine components that describes what should happen so there'll be like a button that's like i should be removed when i'm clicked and then i click it and if it's not removed then i know something's broken you know It's just like a page to exercise a bunch because I don't, I really don't want to get into like karma builds with like having an automated Internet Explorer target for my test setup. Like I want my tests to just be just quick, fast, easy, just tests, Mm -hmm. you know, JS DOM. Yep. But if I need to support Internet Explorer, this is the best I've I've come up with doing it. Could you use like uh, Cypress or something to like keep using that page? you know but use cypress yeah. to automate like clicking the thing and seeing if it's removed and stuff i'd have to i don't know how cypress works i'm sure cypress works with some sort of back end but i like i would need to point cypress's engine at internet explorer it would have to be an internet explorer browser you know right but you, could you use like browser stack or something for that right well that's like, what lambda test is so maybe i yeah so same thing right like you could just run it there maybe i don't know i don't know if cypress works that way oh I'm curious if it does, because I, I feel like part of Cypress is it being like native JavaScript. I don't know. Like, I feel like Dusk, you could do that. But anything else, I don't know. If it's not Facebook Web Driver. Just, oh, yeah. Dusk? Easy. Yeah, you could just How? point Facebook. Because doesn't Dusk rely on Chrome Driver? It does. But Chrome Driver is just a local, you know, binary. That it, right, right. But ultimately, like aren't you not testing it in IE because you're testing it in Chrome driver? That's true, but you could go on browser stack and expose, get, get access to a um, remote Chrome driver on Internet Explorer and then swap that out in your like dusk setup file. It's pretty straightforward, actually. Okay. Because basically like dusk, you know, like... I know I've seen it happen, but now I'm realizing I don't know why it works. So Dusk uses Facebook WebDriver under the yes. hood, which yes. when you do anything in Dusk, like a click, it goes to fa- Dusk talks to Facebook WebDriver. I believe I haven't actually dug through Dusk in like a year or two, but I'm like 90% sure this is how it still works and everything. Facebook WebDriver then makes a call, like a curl call. I don't know if it's curl, but literally like a call to an endpoint with a, with a port and a URL that says like click here's the element to do it you know it's a little fancier than that but that's it like it's an endpoint call to your local usually your local java selenium server but chrome driver is a standalone binary that does the same thing 
Gotcha. Uh, and so what you're saying is there is you can basically use Internet Explorer as a backend for Facebook WebDriver. Exactly. In the same way that you use Chrome as a Exactly. Backend. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, so you could, in theory, you could have like parallel dusk builds pointing at browser stack, never have to deal with like anything running WebDriver at all. And you could just like queue them all up in jobs and just have parallel dusk tests hitting browser stack and like Internet Explorer's going. They're all going that, at the same time. That's what we had at uh, football, baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. starting them on the path. Yeah, me but and I, uh, I wasn't there for the execution. Me and the cool guy there yeah. did it. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then you know all about this. What are you talking about, D. Cole? It's been so long. I, <laughs> Today's I, I, like the day I said, of reminding you about all the things you know about. <laughs> like I said, I know I've seen it. I just don't exactly remember why it works. It's funny. I have a new client who is watching through all, re- listening through all of 20% time. Oh, no way. Yep. And no plans to merge, but like pretty recently. It's pretty funny. Uh-huh. He brought, I forget what it was, but he brought something up that I totally forgotten about. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I don't know. He's like, yeah, I actually got this from uh 20% time. Remember that episode you guys talked? It's like, oh, I do not. But that's I funny. wonder if we, I would be smarter if I listened to 20% time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know? We probably both benefit. Like I bet quite we had some great ideas we threw away. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, oh, what a time to be alive, wow. Decole. So much we need more listeners so that someone will go create a wiki about it. About like uh about like, all well, the things we've said on the show. Yeah. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. It would be pretty useful. Um our, yeah, our listener then, like, you would be able like for example, you are never going to be able to prove whether or not we invented the the babble thing because i'll never know which episode to go to where to find it yeah but if we had a wiki you could just search babble and like there would be a an edited uh page about it yeah but we don't have enough listeners and like i wouldn't ask any (laughs) of our listeners to do the amount of work it would require to individually maintain a wiki no way it's got to be crowdsourced i got something for you decal what you got for me? I did a thing. I mm-hmm. did a uh, basically like my own personal hackathon. Did I tell mm-hmm. you about this? I don't think I did. No. So I built. Isn't that your whole life? My my it is. I actually when we were talking about percent times, I basically was like, the feeling I got on twenty percent time days. I have a hundred percent time. Like I feel that way yeah. all the time. You have a hundred percent time. I have zero percent time. Right. And it's, you know, even the stress is 20% time day comes and you're like, oh crap, I got those three blog posts to write. We have 50% time. Yeah, yeah. We should call it 50% time our next. We should rename No Plans to Merge. But you know what I'm saying? It's like when 20% time comes, you're like, oh, I'm so excited. I can work on whatever I want. But, I'm, but you're also like, crap, I got to like do that blog post and crap. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's like, it's great, but it sucks. Uh-huh. Like that's, that's my life. It's like every day it's like that. It's like, oh, but I got to do those million things. But like, oh, I could do whatever I want at the end of the day, you know? yeah minus the client calls that so maybe i'm 80 percent time yeah d cole so i had my own little personal hackathon i uh uh, my wife so her family my wife my wife her family my wife hannah she has a name by the way Mm -hmm. my wife hannah she uh her family starts started doing zoom every wednesday game night Mm -hmm. her brother started it he did trivia so we're all sitting there with like pad and paper. He's reading trivia questions. We're writing them down. We were going to do it the next week. I was like, let's make a trivia app. Why not? And sure. she also, we used to go to Disney trivia at like at, at a bar on Disney property. Every Tuesday they had trivia. It was awesome. It's like an independent thing. 
all like the local Disney freaks would come and gather and you would drink and eat and do this Disney trivia. And it was phenomenal. They stopped yep. it. So we were like, we should do this thing basically. So I basically, I, I worked the night before we did this trivia with her family. I started working on it for a couple hours and then two hours before I got off a client call at three 30 and we were on at six and I had a working app to do trivia where like there was an admin panel where she, I need you to focus decall. You're, you're fading I'm, on me. Yeah. No, I'm telling people to stop texting me while I'm trying to focus. Decall. <laughs> so total of like three to four hours. Sure. I have, and this is, I'm not bragging. I'm about to brag on the tools I used and the, like the techniques, mm-hmm. but a full app, no bugs. Everybody went to their, their phone. They typed in DisneyTriviaNight.com. They got a page to log in to register. And then they see a waiting screen it's there. Hannah manages all her uh, questions and answers and everything in a Google spreadsheet. And then when it's go time, she has an admin panel and she clicks on the, the question she wants activated and everybody's phones just update and they see the question and they can Amazing. answer and they just click on the answer and it updates. And then she decides when it's the next question. So her panel controls everybody's phones. And then at the end of that round, they see scores of how everyone else did. Uh, the first round, I don't think it had the scores or if it did, it was rough. Um, anyway. And, uh, and yeah, and it keeps track of like how well you did. And so this has happened. We're now in our third week and she just did it like public, like to a, actually like a small user test for public Disney trivia. It's going to be kind of a thing. Her and her brother like hosted, put a bunch of time into it. I upped the app so you can like, it's like really interactive anyway. But in four, in less than four hours, I had from zero to like what appeared to people as a full like web app. Wild. It was blowing. What my did m- you use? Brag about the tools. <laughs> yeah. Right. So first Laravel, I, I've ba- I feel like everybody should do this. Everybody should just try to like bash out an app in a day or less. So I, this is a little secret that I'm not talking about, but I guess I have a podcast, so um but a friend of the show john Mm. and i uh so john makes board games yep um and friend of the show john and i uh so we recently did like a jackbox party pack okay you know the jackbox games no so it's like these games where it's like all there's like a central screen like the big tv in the living room and then everyone has like their phone they log into a site and there's all like something for them to do on their phone what is this controls what's the the popular one jackbox is the big one okay that's i've heard a lot of people talk about this and they love it anyway yeah so we with a bunch of our friends did like a zoom jackbox party oh, sweet. Pack night nice um and it was fun and but john and i who both love board games were a little bit disappointed because the games aren't really that much of a game okay you know like they're all like kind of s- the the minimum viable game Okay. You know, like most of the entertainment comes from the fact that like you're laughing at your friends saying funny things in the game. Okay. Yeah. But there, there's not much like game theory to sure, the game. Sure. Okay. You know. Yep. And we were like, we should make a like a game that's like this, right? Where there's like a central yeah. screen and everyone does stuff from their phone. Yeah. But make it more of a game. Yep. You know. And so we uh, got on the call for like two hours the other day and like brainstormed out a concept oh, and it's probably like 65 percent of the way there as like a concept oh sick um so it probably needs like one or two more brainstorming sessions before we could like build a prototype yeah and i'm gonna do it in livewire i've already decided uh if you weren't i was going to force you to yeah so 
first laravel the greatest yeah. stack ever for like doing everything super fast insane mm-hmm. and shout out the tall stack the tall stack yeah it was a tall it's a tall stack and the tall stack is like it's ludicrous how productive it is it's ludicrous so laravel is amazing this was the kind of thing where i like by the time i had started the app like an hour into working on this thing i was like oh crap i'm go you know people are gonna need to go on this i'm gonna need time for the dns to propagate i gotta go buy a domain <laughs> so yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah. like i would like do something that takes a second like composer require sushi and then open up hover get the domain open up forge get a digital ocean drop or put on an existing droplet point the domain get a let's encrypt cert all this stuff was done in like two and a half hours that day it was like forge is insane it's insanely good oh and yeah. i put it on a server that was a bad uh, an older version so some like dependency didn't work because it was php 7.1 or something uh-huh. and i was like oh crap this is such a headache and i went to forge and scrolled down and saw like upgrade php hit the button Amazing. done. and it's an Amazing. important droplet like my wife's photography business is on it and everything was perfect yeah. no downtime is yeah. great so decol yeah did it in livewire which I can't even imagine doing it. How else do you do it? You're making form requests for every tiny little interaction. Like, what are you doing? You make an Ajax endpoints for everything you do. I can't even imagine. It's like you have total control. And I used Sushi with uh, Sheedy to pipe her Google Sheet so that she could just manage her questions to pipe it into a model. So I have like a questions model and then a local like scorecard model on a SQLite database. You know, that's just like, it's just the most minimal viable thing. And I got this thing together in no time with zero bugs, like no production bugs were hit. Oh, here's the thing. How do I do the real time stuff? You ask so that everybody's phones are, you know, updating. Like basically, no, I don't even, I need it to be pure so that nobody can even like shut down their internet and be able to answer a question. You know what I mean? Right. That's like old. Yep. So it's one LiveWire component called, well, there's a wrapper component called Question Manager that just, mm-hmm. is, it's just wire pull. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like Question Manager has a computed prop. Yeah, yeah, it's just wire pull. Dude, and it it's solid. It's so That's solid. Crazy. That's crazy. It is. I would really like to switch to, um, I'm going probably to switch to Pusher or something. Yeah. What do you think about this? I just don't want to. Don't like, you deal don't you have pusher. like some native Livewire support for Pusher already? Yeah, you could you could very I could very easily get it up and running, but you have to get um, Echo. You know, you have to like integrate with Laravel Echo and Pusher, mm-hmm. which could be fine. But uh, how how what's the polling frequency that you're doing right now? Two and a half seconds. Who cares? That's fine. Yeah, it is. It is fine. Like it's effectively fine. Here's the Why one the issue with second? it. Why the half second? I don't know. I think I don't know why I defaulted to that. I feel like I put some effort into it though. Here's the thing. This this all comes back to my like thing about like not wanting to have to think about things asynchronously. Mm-hmm. The I say make that polling number whatever number you need it to be for it to not be an issue. <laughs> right? <laughs> like as fast as it needs to be. You're saying? Yeah, whatever. Like whatever the the <laughs> just because like wire Do you pole, really want to start thinking about mil- things asynchronously? I know. You know, which is what you're doing once you add pusher to your life. I know. Decole, you're like, so let's, right. Let's just let's just think about it in the easy way. Well, so here's a way you could do it and not think about it asynchronously. You could use pusher to just trigger a refresh, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Like you could do that so that you're not refreshing all the time. And only when the admin is like, so when the admin selects any, any state changes on the admin panel for this game, then just, then everybody's phones just get updated, but it's only one ping, you know, mm-hmm. which to me makes sense. It's just the part of me that's like, but what if that misses for some reason? What if somehow that connection misses? Like, I don't know. Polling is so like rock solid. Like, yeah, it's just going to work for everybody. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. But but here's the problem. I actually like have if a... You leave, if you like close the page and come back or like, right, if you're like on an iPhone and like you get a text message and you click the text message and it takes you out of the app and yep. then you come back to the app, the polling still goes, right? Yeah, it, so I Livewire is intelligent. It sleeps in the background. It'll only pull like once every like five percent of the normal time. Yeah, but like it's the you're not like gonna break the polling when someone gets a text message, right? No, no. All right, well then who yeah. cares? You're fine. Yeah, I I picked it back up after a while and it worked great. Um, great, cool, love it. Here's a problem. Can I ask you a problem? <laughs> no, but you could ask me a question or present me a problem. I'll present you a problem. Uh huh. Here is an actual requirement of the app that I can't figure out a good way to do. Yeah. Hannah needs to be able to... Here's the user experience. Everybody's on a trivia question, right? Uh As a user. As a user. As a user, I want to. (laughs) As the user. (laughs) You're the user. As the the Hannah, I want to. (laughs) Basically, right now, it's just her clicking next question and everybody's phone's update. There needs to be, and she's manually counting down. By manually, I mean like her voice. Like, okay, so five, four, three, because otherwise people miss it. And they're like, I need to go back to the question. I didn't get to put it in. So there needs to be like a countdown. countdown. So the question is like, well, one, how do we do a countdown? Here's what you do. What do we do? Here's what you do. So your polling is like two and a half seconds, right? Yeah. Um, Make it one sentence, do date now or something like that. PHP. Go on. What? Speak to me. Nothing. Uh, well, I was going to say, I was going to say you, because uh, everyone's phones are connected to the internet, right? They're all using like internet time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you just set, you like send down a thing, which is like the timestamp at which the countdown will commence. Okay, then, right, right. And then all of their phones, when it gets to that timestamp, just start a countdown on their screen. Interesting. So, so like, so say I'm Hannah, right? I press the button. I yeah. say, it's time to go, right? Yep. So then there's however much time it takes to, like, round trip that to everyone and it gets pulled and everything, right? Yep. Um, Say that's, like, we'll be generous and say that's, like, five seconds. Yeah. Right? From the time she presses the button to the time everyone sure. has received the thing. Yeah. And so when she presses the button, what it will say is 10 seconds from now, the countdown will commence. So they all get the thing. They have five minutes of lead time. Mm-hmm. Their phones all know in, you know, at this time, mm-hmm. we're going to commence the thing. So all their phones just do like a set timeout from the time that they received right. the thing to the. Yeah. But I don't know how to do it. So here, here was exactly. what I was thinking that's along those lines. It's like when she mm-hmm. hits the button. I set a timestamp globally in the database yeah. that's like, sure. Hannah hit the button. Now everybody's polling and the, and the times, okay, the timestamp is for when this is what it is. The timestamp yeah. is for when it starts. No, the timestamp is for, for when, it, when ends. it ends so that everybody's timer starts. 
they end at the same spot, mm-hmm. but they start staggered. So it'll do the math, whatever, in PHP or JavaScript, that like your phone gets the poll and it's like, okay, new timestamp, start a timer. That could be a worse experience. So like, right. Like some, well, if I think if because it's 10 if seconds. you get it. Right. But if you get it and it's like one, it's over. Right. But if, so if <laughs> the total bad. wait is 10 seconds, the maximum difference would be two and a half seconds plus her time for the request. Maybe like 2.75. Right, that's what I was seconds. saying when I said like generously five seconds. Right. 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 But it, so it, it is possible that somebody would get like six, five, four, three, two, one. But 90% of people would get like between eight and 10 counting well, down. And you just don't show it if it's over five. Oh, dude. Make it for 10, only show it below five. It's rock solid for everybody. Like same yeah. exact time. Yeah. Ooh, that's sexy. What we decided that, all right, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. That would, but the problem is it's not like easy, you know? Like that requires yeah. me like dealing with PHP and JavaScript, talking to each other, time stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's more than uh, like if you did some wire polling to update a timer. Like if, well, if, I mean, if let's say like you turn your polling to be talking to each other though. Let's say you make a wire poll dot 300 milliseconds, you know, sure. sub second. So polling. fast. You could just do this all in PHP, you know? Like literally the timestamp where it's supposed to change. You just do some math in PHP that's like carbon minus ten minutes, you know, you just like show a counter, a countdown with blade, like blade echo the current seconds until the timestamp, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the easiest thing to do. Ooh. Caleb. Deco. You could oh my god. You know your optimistic view stuff in Livewire? Yep. You Give it to I me. I feel like I can't wait. I think there's a way to do this because you know your counter example, your old counter example, the yeah. the OG Livewire example. Right. This is just that without buttons. Okay. Right. Yeah. Except you don't have to update anything in the background, right? I'm wonder if you could like optimistic, like if you could hack Livewire somehow. No, that doesn't work. We talking about deco? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Give me what I was you were thinking of a little bit, though. I was just trying to get to a place where we don't need any JavaScript to do the actual counting down, right? But we're also not dependent on the server giving us every single second in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like somehow, so I'm like, is there a way that we could like optimistically know what the server should be giving us, and then actually, it doesn't even matter if the server gives it to us at all. That would be, I don't know. That's You'd have but to either like pre-render every possible time state and I don't know. Be wacky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Decol, here's actually the new requirement is like we're thinking it'd probably be easier anyway and better in the user experience if when you hit like start round, you're starting. Like they, it's like 15 seconds per question or 30 or something mm-hmm. and it just is set for each question. And like it's, it's on rails. It's a train. Yeah, right. it's on rails. Exactly. Um. A part yeah, of, so that's fine so a part of me is like oh now it's going to be harder for me like let's say you want to go back to a question now i have to code up like how you can go back and not you know what i mean i don't know it's just a little like weirder for me to think about but also how would you implement that would it just still uh, be like just a faster poll with the dude it still could be polling man well no but if you, the cool thing is if you do it on rails right yeah then you just need to pass the start time and you can derive all other times from that. 
interesting so what if it was like every t- for somehow like every time and then ooh, and then if you pause it right so you need to like pause it for something and then like restart it like say hannah had a pause button like in case someone like dropped a kid or something mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> you pause it right and then when she restarts it it resets the start time and since everything else is like dynamically derived from that time it would all work oh but that would it wouldn't work if you were in the middle of the questions because now no but yeah well you would know the offset somehow right you would be able to derive the offset so what if it was you know the start time okay what if there's no start time of the round what if she Mm -hmm. clicks to activate a question right yes and now the liveware component in the mount method stores the initial timestamp that it's like mounted that show question is mounted you know yeah so now the jo- there's a javascript chunk that when the javascript first loads for that component it's going to start a, a countdown of 15 seconds or 30 seconds or something okay so it just starts a countdown timer of 30 seconds you know what oh man you could do you in livewire okay you have a live wire component to show the question, right? And then there's, sure there's a wrapper sure component that is in charge of the polling. There to absolutely switch, right? is. The child, when it's loaded, has a little bit of JavaScript. And that JavaScript yes. says, um, the JavaScript says, decal, focus. I'm I know you. you're focused. I'm not focused. <laughs> I know you're like ready and I'm not. You have a script tag that does like a set timeout whatever that initializes a 15 second timer okay and then you have like a callback at the end of that in javascript to call a refresh at the end of that you know so basically you will guaranteed that from the second that component is shown it will start a timer in javascript and call back to the server to update Mm-hmm. And then you wouldn't even need the polling. Oh, I see. Oh, so then you're guaranteeing that every. So that's actually fairer, because you're actually guaranteeing that everyone has the same, the amount, same of amount of time, time. Yeah. to work on it, even if they don't end at the exact same millisecond. So this is the thing: is like, but when you move into this territory, now I'm like, let's just for some reason let's say somebody's JavaScript just blips, and like they didn't get the new question, you know? Uh huh. Like that's an issue. You know what I mean? Like when you're polling, you're always getting the truth. You know you're getting the truth when you're polling. Right. But when you're not polling, when it's up to the client, well, when it's, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just as reliable as polling, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud that like the current setup, anything that just uses polling in backend state, I feel so confident about. Like I just feel like I don't have to worry. Like everybody's apps are just going to work. Sure. But the minute I get um, into all this other stuff, I start feeling like... Ooh. Well, you could still pull for current question. Yes. So you could pull for current so question. So you would know if, if something blew up, you could just like brush it under the rug and move on. Right. But the the refresh would be so that you get a refresh at the on the dot. Yeah. You get it on the dot, even if your polling is a little bit offset. Right. You could even keep a slower polling. As just like that's a what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you pull every second or something. Yeah, I or could do every like five, five seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah. That's Interesting. Fine. And then I think that's the way it has to be. Is like when a when 
uh, question is shown. There's JavaScript okay, that no, sets no, no, its no, 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 time but then bomb. you have problems. Then you have problems, right? Okay. Say someone has a problem that where their JavaScript is going to chronically fail, right? Meaning every question their JavaScript will fail, right? Their JavaScript is going to chronically fail. So they're not going, the refresh will never happen for this one user. The JavaScript trigger yeah, refresh yeah, yep. will never happen. So they're totally dependent on polling, right? Okay, yep. Every question, yeah. their JavaScript will start later. Right. And uh, later yeah. and later. And they'll Unless end up I eventually skipping offset, a question. That would, yeah. Yeah. But eventually they'll end up skipping a question. Right. Because the difference will get long enough that it's longer <sighs> than the polling time, you know? But if I did an offset so that like everybody's timer starts offset, so they all end at the same time no matter what, even if mm. you're like late to the party. Mm-hmm. But still there's this question of like, it's it's the putting the round on rails putting the questions around on rails is like in hannah's admin dashboard is she clicking i want her to be able to just activate a question and now you know what it should be you know what it should be the thing should happen exactly the same way it happens now all of the technology happens exactly the same way it happens now it's just that the clicking of the next question button should be automated in her dashboard oh my gosh deagle and you just show a progress bar in her dashboard right. that's like how long until it clicks the button. Oh my gosh. So that is actually a sick solution because it's so freaking easy. Yeah. I love it. I really do. Um, two problems. One, they need to see the user needs feedback. The whole point of this is so that the user knows when the question's about to change. Right. So, so there could just be a just, facade. You just timer. have to change. You just have to change the behavior of the button to be instantly cause the next question to send out the notification that the next question is going to happen in 10 seconds. Right. I could just delay that. Yeah. Like you just change what pressing the button means. Right. Um, so there's that. And then what was the other thing I thought of with that? That works, but, oh, uh, man. So it would it. be like a start countdown button instead of a next question. Button. Oh, so here's another problem with that. Um, her brother Aaron is a co-host. And yes. right now they can't switch off every other question, which I want them to, because I haven't wired it all up to be real time. So like his adboard, his admin dashboard needs to reflect what's in her admin dashboard. And then I just have to use like basically live wire polling on their end with that auto thing i feel like i want everything to just be pulled i want polling to be the way everything gets updated right now because mm -hmm. our lives will just be so much nicer yeah if the back end is the source of truth yes so i need a way that the back end is a source of truth i think for even for the timing stuff like i'm i, I want it so that when you hit either start round or start question you're setting a timestamp. stamp mm -hmm. yeah yeah but what if you only <clears throat> here's what i'm saying what if you only set that in the admin dashboard? The timestamp only gets set for the admins. Okay. Right? The, the admins are the only ones right. who care I know about what that you're saying. Stamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I still to have their their dashboards talk to each other is makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, then yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't just use this nice little solution of like a little JavaScript that just you know. Yeah. One You should tell Hannah and her brother about uh Tuple. <laughs> yeah that'd be funny that'd be interesting you know you could just zoom 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 screen share but then that wouldn't be it would be hidden 
you know what needs to happen oh did you see what this um no. so obs uh so she she's using zoom and they want to play like background music during their talking and everything they want like to add production value and yes. we're using zoom for this and everybody's joining with zoom um which by the way we haven't talked about zoom bombers and penises on have we oh trust me i know all about okay them. did you get any penises no but i've been working with a bunch of people who get penises in an organization i volunteer with uh, okay to uh alleviate this on a national scale it's wild it's so bad it's so bad that this is happening right now um so there's disneytrivianight.com slash zoom that redirects you to the zoom link so that yeah. nobody's ever posting a public link mm-hmm. um okay you have to implement the waiting room that's the whole strategy yeah i think they're doing that by default now yeah waiting room everyone mutes by default why is it waiting room like what about after the waiting room no, 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 but you you implement the waiting room where the the host has to approve anyone joining. Interesting. How does the host know to block bad actors? Well, it would just be names you don't recognize. Right. I'm thinking for the in this instance it's a public Zoom and for the streaming I've done, that's like a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you would just tell them I mean as long as you can trust your communications with the people who are right. going to join. Yes. And that's a basic level for us for us that's enough. Yeah, and she, I'm like co-host, so I'm like ready to like yeah. block oh, dude, me penises too. I have, and I have, N-words. I've been kicking. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. But uh, I just got an email from Zoom saying that they're gonna do waiting by default, the waiting room. So that's gonna be the default, and then also the participant sharing or something. Basically, Zoom needs to get their shit together like right now, like big time. Yeah. Everybody's oh, yeah. realizing how freaking. I just saw a tweet. All your chats, your private chats in the Zoom chat get put in like a a meeting log that gets sent to everybody or something like yeah like all your private chats are in the meeting log yes there's so like every day i hear about a new thing that i'm like oh my gosh i wish zoom wasn't as good as it is so i could confidently leave it do we know why it's so good i don't know no one else is as good me so me and chris were talking about this at work the other day i think they're just serving one video stream and chopping it up into frames. I think that's what they're doing. Oh, interesting. That's my theory. So there's less HTTP, there's less yeah, streams, there's less conflicts. Huh. So I think server side, they're taking all the streams, merging them into a single video stream yeah. and streaming it down to you. Then client side, chopping it up into frames. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty well. I mean, whatever they're doing, they're, they're doing it better than everybody. And that's why we're all stuck on them. Yeah. And I loved Zoom before this, but now I'm like, man, apparently they're like they did this annoying feature. DHH, if you follow DHH, you're 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 on you're constantly bombarded with Zoom. I've been so problems. off Twitter, dude. I'm just like nothing exists to me except for work right now because I'm just getting adjusted. I don't even know what's happening in the world. Uh Zoom problems and COVID and that's about it. Yeah. DHH posted about Zoom had a feature called um attention monitoring or something basically uses ai or whatever to know if your participants are paying attention or not so bosses can like get a notification of who's not paying attention whoa <laughs> they deleted the whole feature can you imagine dude oh my God. that would make our podcast recordings way too efficient <laughs> right so uh oh the other zoom related thing okay toby lootkey he's the ceo of shopify 
Sure. I follow him on Twitter. Sure. And he just posted a $10,000 bounty for OBS, which is the streaming service for the listener. Um, It's like a streaming platform to hook up OBS as a virtual camera and mic so that you could use it with something like Zoom. So that you yeah. could use OBS to like have your whole setup, everything, and then just pipe it into Zoom. Yeah. Which to me would be, it's like the ultimate dream. Yeah. Until, right? Until what? Until uh, like one of the only uh, bulwarks against madness that you have to defend against Zoom bombers is the fact that they can't screen share. Because you can turn off their ability to screen share. Right. But if they can just use OBS to broadcast porn into their own webcam, you can't disable people from turning on their webcam. You can't disable webcams? I don't think so. I mean, you try it. Try and disable my webcam. I'm sure I can disable it, but yeah, stop video. Okay. Can I turn it back on? See. Oh, I can't. Okay. But you can't make it so that a new participant... Don't worry about my name. so ridiculous? Like, <laughs> Don't worry about my name being E and O. <laughs> Ask to start I've video. been Zoom bombing. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to mute you, and then I'm also now going to unmute you. Yeah, I can mute and unmute you. If you start yeah, the call no, with unmute, you can mute, I can... And you can also set it so people can't unmute themselves, and you can say they're muted by default when they join. Right. So you can lock it down pretty good. But not not good enough, though. Uh, why can't there just be a setting that's like, I don't want anybody to be able to, be able to do anything unless I tell them they can. Yeah. That's, that's the setting the I need. Have. I need one button that does that. We should yeah, make lock it down. a program called One Button. <laughs> It'll use FFmpeg to combine all of the streams into one stream. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, uh, work driving, we should, dude. We should write this. We should write this in crystal. <laughs> uh, a public service announcement or a footnote: We are no longer using one button. Uh, I am using ScreenFlow now to edit <laughs> podcasts. It's a brief hiatus from using oh, Click. Man. It's called Click. Click, right? It's a brief hiatus. It's ScreenFlow all the way now. If I ever uh, get my life back, um, I will do that. So what do you think about this? You know what it is? What is it, Decal? Here's what it is. I don't... My energy levels are different um, at this job than they were at the other job because this job is new and I'm constantly like figuring everything out Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I feel like I'm always behind because of that. Yeah. And there's like all these blockers because I don't have the right permissions for things. Yeah. And, just, and it's like the end of the day, I am absolutely pooped. Yeah. And I can't wait until like all of those and like the fingers crossed, we just merged the CS fixer config today that's going to make uh, VS Code a first class citizen of this company. So that's going to remove a lot of my pain. I'm confused. So. Was there a config that only worked with PHP Storm? Yeah. So all of the code style stuff. How was, was there done a config? Like in what way? What did they just like not? They used the PHP Storm specific. Oh really? Code style. Oh, tools. gotcha. Okay, yeah. So Got like it. everyone's code style was. Yeah. Because yeah. they had like a shared editor dot editor config. Yep. Yeah. And okay. uh, obviously, I can't use that. Um. So. 
it was a big problem. Yep. Because uh, basically I had to like open all of the files I had changed in a given PR in PHP Storm, run it through the thing. It was just like, there's steps. So anyway, we merged on a Friday afternoon, we merged a big, big pull request of every file in the entire code base getting CS fixed. Um, and now we are officially a CS fixer company. Good. Good. Very good. That's very good. Very, very good. good news. Um, anyway, understandable. Beginning job. Th- uh, I'm just getting, I'm getting like a little bit less stressed out at every given, on every given day. So that's good. Yep. Yep. Um, what do you think of this new strategy? So uh, updating the listener user, we have changed strategies or I propose a strategy to decode. We haven't talked about it in person, but here's how Hannah and I do laundry and now a bunch of other things. I'm super lazy just with every chore all the time. And I, I try to force, I mean, maybe my output doesn't show that I'm totally lazy, but like half lazy, but I, inside I'm extremely lazy um, or just never want to do chores. Anyway, enough of that. Dishes, laundry, stuff like this. I um, hate doing so. We've like traded, like she does laundry. I do other stuff. I, I do like, um, I do the TV watching. I do the, you know, meat eating, like the man stuff, you know. Yeah, the meat eating. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Like she Someone's cleans and she it. cooks and she does laundry and I, you know, I go to work, I come home, I'm exhausted, you know. Eat a meat. <laughs> I eat a meat. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so she'll like lag on the laundry and basically I made this to deal with her. I was like, how about this? Like you get the laundry in the room, washed, dried, and in a basket, like at the door. And then I will fold it and put it away because the part she, she hates is folding and putting it away. The part I hate is starting, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, this is a good thing. Like if I want laundry now, now I'm not saying like, woman, get me laundry. I'm saying like, hen, like get the laundry, you know, like do the laundry. I'll finish the task, you know, like yeah, do, yeah. do the part that you've agreed to is easy enough for you to do easily. And then she can be like, Hey, I got the laundry. Uh, Side note, the laundry is sitting in a pile on our dresser right now. Hannah's laughing right now. It's like, I've, I've never done this, but I've truly declared like laundry bankruptcy because we're in Florida and we're leaving and it's coronavirus pandemic, whatever. Anyway, my point is, is that it's worked miracles for our marriage. Our marriage was in shambles before this, but now it's healed. So I was like, what if I did this with Decol? Cause he's dragging his feet on this thing. And I want to be like, Decol, edit the damn podcast, get it out now. But yes. I'm just telling you to do work. And before I do that, I'm like, oh, well, then I should just do it. But I'm like, but I don't want to do it. I hate doing no it too. To do it. So I was like, wait a minute. How about we split it up? One of us edits, one of us publishes the first person. The, and we get to bug each other about it to move it past the goalpost. Okay. Sure. Yes. Um, it's a great strategy, except that editing sucks so much more than publishing. And now you're editing. That's fine. I agree to it. I am fine with this. And I will... If it sucks more than publishing, why haven't you published it? <laughs> uh, I published it. Oh, you did? Yeah. No way. Right before we got on the call. <laughs> nice. All right. It's sick. Out. Good. Okay, great. Settled. So what do you think? So you have full permission to be like, dude, edit the podcast. Give it to me now. Bug me as much as you can. And then when I give it to you after I've put in my hard work and gave it to you and you've sat on it and done nothing, I could be like, mm-hmm. decal, 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 decal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what do you think? no, I know what you're saying. What do you think? Um, it's fine. Charlotte and I have a problem, which is that both of it's us fine. don't mind. Such a dick. 
<laughs> Go ahead. Charlotte and I have this problem where both of us don't mind starting a task, I think. Oh, okay. But neither of us likes the finishing part. Huh. And so, Weird. like, we have this constant thing where it's like... Uh, like, like chores, you're saying? Go- like, if we're both going to bed, right? Okay. Well, like, here's an example. This is a common one. Uh, letting the dog out. Mm-hmm. So, you, here's what happens with the dog. You let the dog out. <laughs> then you let the dog in. Oh, okay. I thought right? it was just... The starting was just let the dog out. <laughs> End of and there's story. Two, there's two steps to it, right? Yeah. And so, like, you're across the house or whatever. It's time to let the dog out. Um, It's like, hey, can you let the dog out? Yeah. And then, inevitably, whoever says it first gets to say i'll let her out you let her in yeah 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 um and cookie neither of us, yeah, but neither of us wants to let her in yeah it's interesting because some chores like because you know uh, why though it's because you go start doing something else and you don't know what state of mind i know what state of mind i'm in now i don't know what state of mind i'm going to be in in yep. eight minutes when the dog needs to come in so i would rather just do it now Get the let, get the dog out. Yeah. Then like gamble on being in a great spot to let a dog in in right. eight minutes. Yeah, it's true. It's weird though. Like <sighs> dishes is like the worst of them all, no doubt for me. Yeah, dishes I, is the, okay, the, here's the greatest only, evil of all time. I only hate dishes after cooking. I love doing them while I'm cooking. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Because you're already like in the flow. Your hands are already. Like and the faster you move, the better you feel while you're cooking. Yeah, it's true. It's that's funny. When I'm cooking, I definitely I feel that way, and I do dishes while I'm cooking. My dad, if my dad, my dad actually listens to this, and uh, this is the part where he would say, "Okay, what do I always say?" Um, I should give him a southern yeah, accent or something. You got time like, to lean. You got time to clean. <laughs> oh, really? Is that? That's oh, what they nice. say in the, the kitchen. Yeah, in the kitchen. So in the restaurant business. Um, yeah, he always says, uh, "Clean as you go." You clean as you go, like all the time. Every if I had a nickel for every time I've heard him say that while cooking, clean as you go, clean as you go, CK. You clean as you go. There you now go. everybody just learned that that he calls me K. <laughs> K. There you go. So <sighs> yeah, but dishes is the worst of all time, and it's a hard one to split up. You can't be like, uh, you know, I did the dishes, you dry, because I'll dry yeah. all day, or I'll you there know I'll, like I'll do the dishes, like... you put away. I'd be like, yeah, I'll put away kidding me yeah it's always easy it's so easy yeah there is a what um i don't remember good stuff caleb yeah good stuff good podcast uh, do you want to um do you have any announcements for the people um oh i have that learn vs code course learn hyphen vs code.com we're three emails in on the fourth so it's a hyphen not a dash it's a hyphen okay um learn dash vs code You're three emails deep three emails deep and uh we're going strong it's gonna be great i'm really excited about it um and then i'm also working on project l which is now called surge and i'm still working on that it's happening planning that getting screencasts together getting the site together Ooh, oh so many things you go i met with somebody from github sponsors and i met with the you? product owner of GitHub Sponsors, like the person behind it all very cool devin something i think okay. i think that's how to go what yeah her and like the 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 head designer on it and another user person i don't know a product whatever it was very good it was insane like it was insanely good and i showed her all the stuff i got going on um she added me to some feature flags of experimental features and we like established a little bit of a relationship like very she like we've emailed back and forth since and 
yeah she she basically was like kind of floored she's like oh my gosh like can i like send you stuff every time i have a question about how people are using it and everything because i don't know if i'm their top user i don't think i'm their top earner but i'm at least like the person who's gone the deepest in it yeah and uh so i have the whole dash i have my whole sponsor dashboard that i made in my local like laravel site and she was like, oh my gosh, like there were so many features that I wanted that she's like, but you have the better version. She's like, actually, I know you have so much to do, but like, would you open source this? I'm like, no, I have no time. This is supposed to be saving me time. But, um, but why don't you open source it? I know, Devin? Yeah, right. So anyway, uh, that was very fun. And I asked her like, if I can use GitHub sponsors as a SaaS platform. If I yeah. can like have my own SaaS platform, but the payment provider is GitHub sponsors basically. Mm-hmm. And she confirmed that I needed to hear from somebody that like, A, they're not going to just disappear and I'm going to be out all this money. And B, that I can use this. You're like, not going to get, you're not going to be like violating. Yeah. And she's like, she gave me full assurance. Like, no, basically you just can't use it to sell like stuff that's not related to your open source projects. Um, but here's the kicker. I stumbled on something here, Decole. GitHub sponsors charges nothing. If you pay me... Oh, there's no payment provider? There's no payment fee? cover that. And it, they did it just for the launch, but I don't think I can... I don't know if I can say this or not, but I'm saying it. They're basically going to keep doing it. Like she said, it's not like Wild. it's not like solidified, but they wanted to see how bad the economic hit would be for them. And it's been not that bad. So they're going to huh. keep doing it. So basically, I can charge $15 a month. And get $15 and a month. And get $15 a month in my bank account and never have to deal with chargebacks, never have to deal with anything. Wow. A, a complete abstraction between the most annoying part of running a SaaS app. That's wild. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. I am close to done. I'm using ConvertKit for Learn VS Code and we could have spent... Wait, just you watch. Taylor is going to make uh, Forge and Envoyer like <laughs> reward levels for Laravel sponsorship in a minute. Yeah. I heard him talk about chargebacks recently. Dude, it's dirty. Or, chargebacks yeah, it so are dirty. so evil oh it's so evil how much money people lose out on it's it's really horrible oh caleb i gotta go all right i gotta go too i wanted to complain about convertkit for this whole episode oh i know you're mad about it convertkit sucks so bad but it's so good and they've been great they actually gave me a free month and they cost a million dollars so it's really helpful oh so much to say but you gotta go i gotta go they gotta go it's been an hour and a half this is supposed to be a short one it is a short one cue the outro this music no. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> All right, excellent. 